Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to pick the best movie for any given year. We are doing 1988 this year. I'm Greg. With me is my best friend, Taylor. What's up, guys? Oh, yeah. I feed on your energy. I feed on your hate. I eat it up and I grow fat with it. should be Ryan. I grow large with your hate. Also here is Ryan. Yay! Listen to the crowd. The crowd yeah. responding Yay. very favorably to Ryan. Ryan is the baby face, Taylor, clearly the heel. The, hey, listen, I relish being the heel. I grow fat on being the heel. Okay, that's kind of, you just could do that one thing. Yeah, I have that one thing. <laughs> we are down to four movies in 1988. Uh, Ryan, you're kind of like our cinema guy. Yes. There was more movies made in 1988 than four. There was. 16 movies made in 1988. So four times as many yeah. movies. If, if and we said to those that, other 12, get that out of here. No, thank you. What are the four movies that we have left? Of which one of these is going to be the movie of the year. We don't know what it is yet. So the four movies are, and I don't know like which of these are surprises to you. Die Hard? Okay, that I think, that's so obvious. That that's one. definitely, that's the battery one? Not, not a surprise. Akira. Yeah, I think definitely. that's a little bit of a surprise. Because I'm on a show with two knuckleheads. Yeah. You, yeah. Do you well, guys I mean, feel good about that? Like you're representing yes, all 100%. of humanity. Yeah, you have kind do. of, you've hitched your wagon to sort of two dodos. <laughs> yeah. And so that you're going to get sort of nonsense. We outnumber you now. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're best friends. Yeah. So this is what it, Ryan, For now. Ryan, For now. you now feel what I feel every other episode I've been on. My neighbor Satoro. Yeah, that, I think that's a little bit of a surprise. To be a final four, I think that's a surprise. Yeah. But less so than Akira, right? Akira's like not that good of a movie. That's you're so wrong. Why are you so wrong? It, I think it definitely has more of a favorable cultural imprint. Is it weird for you Akira. guys to root for my neighbor Totoro, despite the fact that the giant fictional bunny rabbit never has an arm that shoots out like a giant veiny penis and that, like attacks a city? That is weird for that's me. That's odd, right? Because both Die Hard and the other movie you're going to announce yeah. have that as well. Uh, what's weird for me is that Totoro has like human teeth, uh-huh. yeah. which is somehow worse than just having like a bunch of sharp teeth. Like the yeah. Sonic that society just decided to get rid of? Yeah, it's like, s- if we you, canceled that movie. Like if you ever showed me like a fish that had human teeth, I'd be like, put that in the ground. Yeah. Like kill that thing. He's got a big oh, set no. of human teeth. Don't kill it. Bury it alive. That's what that teeth fish deserves. Yeah, fuck that teeth fish. And then your final movie is big. Yeah, and I don't think that's a surprise. It's just Tom no. Hanks being big. Yeah, he's, he's big. There are, he's bigger than before. There are shots and scenes in this movie that are like as big as film itself. Not just film of the 80s, but like scenes that would be included in a like, this is what movies were montage. Yeah. Which happens every year at the Oscars, and that scene is included every year. Remember movies, everybody? Like Die Hard, you're climbing through vents, you're thinking about a billion different movies. You're yeah. not thinking about Die Hard. Big, you're eating baby corn, you're thinking about big. For sure. You can't get big out of your I head. was eating baby corn just the other night, and I was like, big. Hmm. I said to the baby corn, it was like... By the way, Greg, just so you know, baby corn could be just a part of a dinner, not your entire... You don't have to only you guys eat that for dinner. You just sit down to a big plate of baby corn? No. Nobody oh, wow. does that. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat a bunch of these babies right now. It, it feels very 80s in that it's America versus one country. It should yeah. be Russia. In this case, it's Japan. And it is yeah, so... because Russian movies suck. It's so 80s to have it be Japan, Yes, too. it's us versus somebody. Yeah, and, and, and us versus the other big economy that's on the grow that we've got, got the hates for. All right. When we come back, we are going to get to more of our sweet awards. 
Ryan, I think people seek out these awards, most of them. But I think this next one... This is a biggie. These are the ones, yeah. They, they mean a lot to us, but I think this is the one where nobody ever comes to collect any of their awards, but specifically they don't come to collect this one. You see, Taylor, we don't have a best villain, because that's easy, right? Best villain. Who's the bad guy of the movie? Villain is different than biggest shithead. Yeah. Who was the biggest shithead of 1988? Because- and that means, like, it's not just, like... Like, Alien from Alien, the movie Alien, where there was the alien. Do you remember? I do, yeah. That's not big as shithead. She's just trying to feed, protect her family. But she doesn't have that 80s, I'm a douchebag, idiot asshole Uh thing. Like the mop of blonde hair. Right. My dad owns this mountain, and we're going to shut down all skiing on it, unless you can beat me at the big ski. Oh, no. We're talking about Cobra Kai people. Is is that a, is that a plot line in Cobra Kai? Are they going to a ski lodge? Yeah, they spent a lot of season two of Cobra Kai is them skiing. They're, they're ski fighting. Yeah. <laughs> this is also crazy because... Cobra Sky? No. Nope. In the last episode, we gave a bit away Best Supporting Actor. Mm-hmm. Not everyone in 88 was a Best Supporting Actor. But everyone in 88 was in contention for Biggest Shithead. So yeah. we, this is that a is tough true. one. A very like douchey year. Mm. All right, Ryan, give them to us, man. Your first one is Harry Ellis from Die Hard. Okay, now would beard wearing, coke doing, yes. wants to fuck Bonnie Bedelia asshole. Is, the one that like takes it upon himself to go negotiate uh-huh. with the terrorists and then it, get shot the fuck out of. It is this like the like stereotype for shitheads in movies now. If 1988 had a flag, his face would be on yeah, it. Yeah, if 1988 became a person, Billy Zabka, the guy who was in the ski movie that Greg was talking about and in Cobra Kai. Looks up to this person like he is. This is his mentor. He basically like is always shushing women uh-huh. and like saying, I'll handle this and then doing just an awful job. Also, if you walk past a woman, you like thrust your crotch out a little bit to make sure that your wiener like goes uh-huh. against them. And then just like blowing rails. And ruined beards for like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. The beards in the 80s really had a tough time. And it's, part, it's because of guys like this. His competition, though, guys, is Paul from Big. Ooh. John Hurd. Paul in Big is I, I feel like these are two like they're brothers. Uh-huh. But like one is Whose parents? What what were these parents doing if these two were brothers? It's well, it's one is the West Coast brother and the other is the East Coast brother. Okay. So like one of them is like blowing rails and uh-huh. he's got like a beard. The other one, very preppy. He probably owns a boat. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's just like he's a real uppity business minded shithead, whereas West Coast brother He's a very like I'm doing business just so that I can party shithead. Yeah, and they're both equally terrible shitheads. <laughs> Paul was basically a two dimensional bully in Big until the handball or racquetball scene where we saw him fight Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks was a twelve year old in a grown yes. man's body, and he acts still like a twelve year old yeah. in a grown man's body. Yeah, you if you just like if you said I'm going to show you this scene, one of these guys one? is a twelve year old yeah. in an adult's body, and the other one is an adult in an adult's body. You try to guess which, watching them tussle and struggle on the ground. I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> Simply would not be able to do it, Greg. Taylor, there are experts who would not be able to do it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. There's shithead experts? Shithead experts who have watched thousands of hours of shithead footage. And did, still... they go to, did they go over there to shithead you? <laughs> Studying shitheadology? <laughs> S-U. Your next nominee is also from Die Hard. This is Richard Thornburg, the reporter, played by William Atherton who was the all-time shithead in Ghostbusters. Yeah. In case you forget what he looks like. This guy was just like always, they were like, oh, you got a super super secret part of this mission. And he would just like appear from the corner. You're like, hey, can you answer a few questions? 
And we for, we always remember that uh, Reginald Bell Johnson from the hit show Family Matters killed a guy right at the end of Die Hard. Uh-huh. But we forget that Bonnie Bedelia punches the fuck out of Richard Thornberry because he went to her house and interviewed her kids and put them on air. I yeah. do feel like this was a character that existed in the 80s that doesn't exist now, which is like the mean reporter. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you asking all these questions? Why are you being so insensitive? Just let the police do their jobs and don't question who they kill and push out of buildings or blow up. God. Yeah. Fucking, like, asshole vultures. Yeah. Your next nominee is Smartass, the lead weasel from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I hate these fucking weasels. There was a big conversation on our Roger Rabbit show about who was the Samuel L. Jackson from Django. Uh-huh. Was it Judge Doom or was it Smartass? Was he the house slave who fucked over all of the cartoons? I think it, I think it might be Smartass because like I get what Judge Doom's getting out of it. I have no idea yeah. what these fucking weasels get out of it. What do you get? Bags of money? They are just they are just shitheads for the purpose of being shitheads. I think they're just natural born henchmen. Yeah. So, like, they'll just do... But why not be Toon Henchmen for the Toons? Probably just because Doom is the one who showed up, man. <sighs> but like, all of the other weasels are clearly henchmen, but this guy feels like that he has a brain and he's doing this on purpose. Yeah, he, yeah he's the one with an actual personality. And I do know I hate him. The final shithead, and I remember the scene where this nominee was won. He's sitting on a throne after destroying a bar, and then two of his friends come in. And he starts making fun of them before he kills them. It's Tetsuo from Akira. This guy's a fucking shithead. Yeah, he dude. is the biggest arm-wise shithead uh, <laughs> on the list. This is when villain and shithead sort of run together. Because Harry yeah. Ellis is not the villain of Die Hard. No. But Tetsuo is both the villain and the shithead of Akira. Yeah. He's a weird character because he is bullied all the time. And he is weak. And he always needs to be saved. And then he gets a little bit of power, and he reveals himself to be just a very, very small, petty piece person. of shit. And this is also where he and Harry Ellis combine, which is he like gets a little bit of power and does a shit ton of drugs. Uh-huh. And then instead of getting shot up, he destroys an entire city and commits like mass slaughter. Is Die Hard a lesser movie because it never had that Harry Ellis arm come out i think so well that was in the deleted director's cut it was i need to where his arm just mutates and turns into yeah uh, and then they're like ah akira just did that so we're gonna cut it we're gonna cut it off we're already in nakatomi plaza so (laughs) we don't need to be too confused all right gentlemen these are some five shitheads we have harry ellis paul richard thornburg smartass and tetsuo all right who can win this i have the very fancy special envelope Taylor, it's, it's good to go with Die Hard right now, based on how the last episode went, but there's two Die Hards here. I know. That's I don't know what hard. to do. That can split the Die Hard vote. <laughs> yeah. You have to be right. cognizant. It's just like Amy that. Adams every year. She just doesn't. She just too <laughs> Too many, much Amy Adams. She does too many good roles, and they don't give it to her. Gentlemen, our winner is from Die Hard, and it is Harry Ellis. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah. The then, thing, like, though, about this guy is that he's the biggest shithead in cinema history. Yeah, like like when people think shithead, they think of this guy. He's such a shithead. You really do come away from this movie hating him more than any of the terrorists. Some Definitely of, yeah. more than Gruber. Even more than the Thor guy. Yeah, some of them just love being terrorists, and you're just like, you know what? You're still better than that douchebag. When we come back, we are going to get to our first round two battle, which is Die Hard versus Akira. Stay tuned. What's going to happen? Hey, guys. Just briefly interrupting here to lay down some very smooth commercials. 
If you were on the internet, which I am many times, go on over to yourpopfilter.com. That is your central hub for all the things we're doing. You can get our podcast and see what we are up to on that website. Taylor. Yes. Tell the folks about the Amazon.com. If you'd like to shop on Amazon.com, you should instead go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Buy your things through there, and it helps us out a little bit with no extra work from you, other than just going to that extra little bit at the front of the URL. That sounds like a dream. Ryan, YouTube. Yeah, make sure that you're going to YouTube. If you like listening, but it's you're, there's not enough for your eyes to do, we totally understand. Go to YouTube, search for Your Pop Filter, and there's a lot of skitsies and bitsies on there that have visuals as well. Wow, that sounds amazing. Social media, you can find us on Twitter.com, at Your Pop Filter, or also now available on Instagram, hey, hey, hey. at Your Pop Filter. Check us out on the social media, Taylor Contact. If you want to contact us, you can contact us at contact at yourpopfilter.com. If you like the show and you want to tell us how much you love it, or if you hate the show and you want to tell us how much you hate it, send us that. Or if you want to call us on a phone, you can do that at 1-562-DR-DJ-POP. That's 1-562-DR-DJ-POP. He's our little robot associate, and he takes our messages for us. One of his hands is a... Spatula. His other hand is a... Spatula maker. Hell yeah, so he's always got extra hands. All right, well, those are the commercials, guys. Let's get you right back to that show. Some of these contests are not super difficult, but some of them are pretty tough. In the first round, Die Hard housed Rain Man. We had yeah. no doubt that that Die was going to win. Die uh, Hard undressed Rain Man, made him naked, and then hosed him down with one of those jail hoses. Yeah, which is really hot water. It, I, right. I like the way baby. that you used the phrase, made him naked. Made <laughs> him naked. Uh, but then in the matchup where Akira fought Naked Gun, it was not quite clear who was going to win until the very end. And now those two movies are squaring off against each other. This is Die Hard versus Akira. What do you guys think? I'm so nervous to come into this conversation because I don't know where the tone's going to go. Like, are we going to start talking about Akira? Are we going to start talking about Die Hard? Why don't we talk about both of them? Are we gonna start thinking? Like, are we? Are we? Because thinking the, on the, moment the one right now? that we start talking about is the one that like loses. Is yes. the loser. So let's talk about Die Hard. You son of a <laughs> fucking bitch. Here's here's what I will say. This is, I think, for me, these could be one and two. Like, this could be the final for me. These are definitely one and two. This is your Roger Rabbit Totoro for me. Yeah. So like, this is such a hard decision i think that both of these movies in their own and separate ways like essentially changed movies pop culture yeah they changed like yeah movies and pop culture moving forward i don't think we have the mcu if we take out either one of these movies yeah that that's a very good point like this is their weird bastard love child but it's so hard to figure out which one of these should move on because I, I think that there are areas where both of them succeed more than the other and also issues with both that the other one excels at. Okay, so in the last episode, which our listeners probably didn't listen to, they knew that this was the episode to listen to, um, I fought hard for the Naked Gun. Yes. Against Akira. I knew that Akira was going to win, and I also probably thought it should, but I did bring up how Akira is an uneven movie. Yeah. It is all over the place. Die Hard, with all of its faults, is not that. Die Hard is 
almost a perfect screenplay scene by scene in that like the dialogue is way better than you would ever think a movie like Die Hard deserves. But also throughout the entire screenplay, the way that it goes up and down in Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, it is like nearly Chinatown perfect. And it's, Akira is sort of just a semblance of scenes. I disagree very strongly. Akira's visual stuff, all the stuff that Akira brings is, like, it's, it's there. It's awesome. It's amazing. But when we have to get down to the nitty-gritty, Taylor, this is the time. I, I know it is, but I disagree that Akira is uneven. Oh, I my think- God. I, how could you... You should be arguing something different than the fact no, that Akira is I, uneven. I think that Akira is... It, it, I think it doesn't follow the exact beats of a story that we are f- like familiar with, but I think that it is. it knows exactly what it's going for and when it needs to get where it needs to go at every moment, and I think it is the tightest two hours you could do with this story. With this story, but you can very clearly see that somebody is taking their, like, magnum opus of comic books and trying to turn it into two hours and doing the best job that he possibly could and he and did not, a great job he, he did, did an excellent job and it's it's great he did a great job but pales in comparison to what the writers of die hard did which is also based on a book but like this is the kind of thing where like yeah akira is like sort of like the comics they did a good job it should have been 40 hours but instead it's two and with die hard they took a kind of shitty book and made it a two-hour masterpiece I do feel like it should be pointed out that Akira is about as as good an adaptation as you possibly could do of the story of the comic Akira. Yeah, like it is, it is that's very impressive in that way. There's but you guys are talking about like I've read the book and this is the best the adaptation could be, as opposed to like these two standalone films. You can feel the adaptation going on in Akira. It is great what he was able to do, or they, or whoever, but it's still wonky. I agree, I agree that you can feel that it's an adaptation. I, I think that Akira, everything you need to understand Akira is in Akira. Yes. But it does at times heavily feel like an adaptation. Let me ask you a question I asked you last uh, week when we talked about some of these movies. If I were going to say, I'm going to pop in a movie right now, you have to choose between Akira and Die Hard. And that's what we're going to watch. This isn't the be- This isn't the only way or the best way to determine which movie is the movie of the year, but what would you rather see right now, Die Hard or Akira? I mean, like, if we're at a, like, if the three of us are with some ladies, typically we hang out with ladies, uh-huh. and, like, we're all talking. And these and- ladies are fly. Oh, my oh, God, yeah. they're, they're fly all shit. fly ladies. Yeah. Everyone understands that, and right? And super real. Nobody would say that the ladies were fly if they weren't fly. No, that's, no. Not, the, that's not the kind of podcast that would do that. Um... And so it's just like a background movie. I would still say Die Hard. Like, I have seen Akira 1% the amount of times that I've seen Die Hard. But Die Hard, I feel like we get sucked into. And Akira is more of a uh, best of movie. Like, where you tune in for five minutes and then you tune out for 20 minutes. Taylor? I, if, if, we're, with, if we're with these hypothetical fly ladies. And they're so fly. No, they're not hypothetical because they're real. Right, 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 right. Yeah. If we're with these fly ladies... And like I think when we're, we're with these when we're ladies. when we're with these fly ladies, I'm sorry, uh, I would I would put on Die Hard. If you're asking me which movie I want to watch right now, it is Akira. Uh, like I and I want to be clear, Akira is specifically entirely up my butt. Like yeah. this is a movie that is essentially made for me. But I uh, even saying that, I think that Akira is such an interesting and complicated movie 
and from the art to the music to just the entire way through, it is executed so incredibly, and I am still thinking of it. And I, th- I think this goes back to the Roger Rabbit versus Totoro argument, which is I think that I get Die Hard. Uh-huh. I, there are still things that I'm thinking about, Akira, and I don't know if I ever will wrap my head around all of the... Because there's nothing to wrap your head around. The things that it is doing. See, I think that the big difference is... and. These two movies inarguably changed pop culture forever, right? We've yes. established that. That's, but yes. with Die Hard, I think that Die Hard said, hey, all, everybody's bullshit could be good. And I think with Akira, people were saying, you could take this bullshit and make good. Like, Die Hard proved that a genre could be great. And Akira was like, take all of this material and these ingredients that I am throwing out there and now go on to make good. Well, and I think that means that well, Die Hard is... The time has come. To send one of these movies out and push the other one into the finals. So, Ryan, let's start with you. I think I know your answer, but what movie is moving forward? It is Dud. Taylor, which movie is moving forward? I'm I'm going to pick Akira. Now, it comes to me just like I hate. Yes. And I'm going to repeat something Ryan said, which is Akira is a, like, assembly of really great scenes and images, and things you think about. And I do think it coheres, but not quite in the same way that Die Hard does. And when we're trying to pick a 1988 movie that feels like the time, but is also timeless, changed pop culture, it's not it's not a slam dunk for me, but it is Die Hard. That, Moving on that into makes the final. Sense. That the, makes sense. There I, is I agree. no movie that... It, improved in as much in my estimation as Akira did yeah. through the course of this that I have found like a new fate one of my new favorite properties but I just am aware I would rather watch Die Hard right now it's definitely more 88 it definitely has had more of an impact on the culture moving on Die Hard congratulations when we come back we're gonna talk about S-E-X what sex gentlemen that's what we are, the sex gentlemen, hanging out with fly ladies and definitely doing stuff with our penises. Now, I, I got to admit, having been through this entire year, 88 was not the sexiest year. I It was not a se- not a sexy cinematic year, or the movies we watched were not sexy. So no. if, if these nominees sort of stretch the definition of what sex means, and indeed I apologize. They did. <laughs> yep. uh, but this is what 88 had for us as sex scenes. Your first nominee is Beetlejuice in the Whorehouse from the film Beetlejuice. So this quote, quote, sex scene is awful Beetlejuice uh, who has spikes sticking out all over his body. Yes. And he's going to so- he's going to pretend he's walking into a whorehouse. But the whorehouse is just like a flat. It's just like a yep. painted piece of scenery. So Michael Keaton can't actually go into the whorehouse. So he just sort of like crab walks back and forth and goes like, hey, hey. I got to say, though, as far as importance goes, uh, I saw this at such a, an important age that anytime I'm going up to have sex, uh-huh. I do the same crab walk dance. Yeah. Hey. But I, I'm glad you started with this, Ryan, because it really gives us an idea of what we're thinking of. Yeah, this, ma- this made the top of the list. There's no like nine and a half weeks No, from there's no like uh, boiling hot eggs on a lady or like drinking... Uh, Vodka from a vagina. I don't know how sex works. No, but that uh, you wouldn't. I wouldn't have known if you hadn't said that last part. (laughs) Your next nominee is from the Naked Gun. It's full body condoms. Guys, 
this is, I don't know if it's the sexiest, but it is the funniest sex that has ever happened on screen. And you know what? I keep going back to Big in this conversation about iconic scenes. Is this what the Naked Gun has to offer 2019? Like, is this the most memorable thing? I think it's the biggest image. The only other one I could think of would be OJ like flying over the, the banister in the, Killed it. the yeah. ball game. Yeah. Uh, personally, the way I feel about it, it's always disturbed me. That they're all wrapped up in rubber like that. Oh yeah, so I, I've, ne- I've never liked it. It makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, like I hot have and sweaty. Well, I have like a suffocation thing where I'm like, that seems like not a good good idea. Oh, you have yeah. that weird thing where you don't like suffocating. Oh, what a weird fear. Taylor, that you yeah, have. just from like a very young age, I just haven't liked suffocating. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just a thing about me. I think I I saw this scene before I knew what condoms were, so I thought this is what safe sex meant. Also. You could buy these condoms at Spencer's Gifts, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yes. this was like this one is of the why things... Spencer's Gifts exists. Yeah, you would see at Spencer's Gifts on your like as you, you would pass them on your way to look at the posters. Your next nominee, just to prove how sexy 1988 was, is Jessica Rabbit and Marvin Acme play Patty Cake in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now, there's an energy in this. Uh huh. Yeah, you can see the spark. Yeah, right. Like, so they're not actually having sex, but Kathleen Turner is like panting a lot. Yeah, you know, and and saying Patty Cake patty cake yeah. like it's very like i don't think i will ever be able to play an innocent game of patty cake no. ever again in my life you know what 88 did was make everyone terrible lovers like this is yeah. all just the wrong information that you need for sex it's not all giant body condoms and patty i cake. think that's why for the past like 30 years we've just had every single person be like men are bad at sex and how yeah. like the uh, population has gone down no one's yeah. having babies because this is how we have sex we're, we're playing patty cake full body condom we're patty slapping cake. them cakes your next nominee is josh pushes a boob in big that's, that's this is gonna win you guys <laughs> like it's a button it's like, like he push, he's pushing he a button. shoves it back into her body it's the closest thing to actual sex that we've had on the list thus far if it, this was roger rabbit is, he would have pushed in the boob and like a big hump would have come uh, out of her head it is intimate. I think it does capture. I'm 38 years old. When you get a chance to squeeze a boob, it's still, <laughs> you just yeah, yeah it makes you got to push. Young. It's good. Uh, so uh, it's kind of sweet in its own way. Uh, he doesn't know what to do. It's not like he's not being rough or mean or anything like that. But man. It really underscores there's just not a lot going on in 88 sex-wise. And nope. out of all the nominees, this is the one that took up the most of its own episode. Uh, like, yeah. We didn't talk about this other shit, but this one we spent some time on. It's, it, a, it's, a, it's a push of a boob. It's very much a 13-year-old boy touching a, touching a grown woman's boob. And your final nominee, because Die Hard must be nominated in every category. It's all of the nudie pictures that are covering the Yakatomi Plaza. Okay. There, besides this, there was no nudity this year in any of the movies we watched but there was legit pinups you saw boobies you saw nipples yeah, yeah dude in in the background of a lot of shots and i have to tell you it draws the eye i, I love how part of the nakatomi plaza is very business-like yeah but part of it is under construction and what these construction workers do is they put up pictures of tits as soon as they can yeah, as soon yeah. as you get in there you gotta put them titty pics up <laughs> i very much feel like with movies like this there is like a meeting at some point where they're like listen there's just not the possibility of putting tits in this movie so we have to figure something out so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take centerfold and we're just gonna sort of put them up in the back of all the scenes and you know what? I'm it works. Yeah. yeah, I'm in favor of it. It works. And we watched this movie on Blu-ray, high yeah. def Blu-ray. So we saw those nipples so good. Yeah, you could zoom right in. I All right, heard. your nominees are Beetlejuice in the Whorehouse, full body condoms, Jessica and Marvin Acme playing patty cake, Josh pushes a boob, and nudie pictures in the Yakatomi Plaza.
Literally all of these are pop punk band names. <laughs> <laughs> and just to underscore, we've had sex. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. 100% with our penises. Yeah. All right. I now will open the envelope and reveal to you all. But no, we put our balls right in a girl before. Gentlemen, the winner is from the naked gun, full body condoms. Okay, I think it's okay. the most iconic. It okay. really is. And the sexiest. Like, if you had to jerk it off to one of these five things. Uh, I'm choosing boobs plastered on a wall, my friend. I'm choosing fully clothed people in large condoms. Greg likes the diehard one because he realizes that his room is just like a construction site, just covered in pinups of boobies. Uh, dude, I live every day by one rule, which is I'm going to see some boobs today. I'm, I'm not going to go to bed tonight being like, did I see any boobs? Oh, my gosh. When we come back, we've done the sex. Should we do the violence? Uh, Naked Gun guys and Die Hard have won every award. Naked Gun has more awards than every movie besides Die Hard. Should we have? Do you think we should, we should have put it in? Let's the... let's move Akira out yeah. and move Naked Gun in. Sorry, Akira. Uh, you you had a good run. Naked Gun is not nominated in this award for best violence. For best violence, well, I can think of several instances of great. There violence. There is so much violence in this. But guys, Akira is. That makes sense. It's the opening bike scene. Fuck yes. This is this is the scene that when people think of Akira, yeah. this is the scene that they think of. I thought, before I saw Akira for this season, I thought that it was all red motorcycles the entire movie. Yeah. And it, it's because of this scene. Like, people think that it is just a movie about people on motorcycles who fight each other, and that is a comparatively very small part of the movie. But see, I think that's a way in which, and we don't see this a lot anymore, but that the marketing for a movie helps deliver the message of the movie when you are experiencing it in the theater. Because yeah, I wonder what Japanese marketing for this movie was. Because our experience with it is that this is a biker gang, and then stuff happens. And that's what the, that's what the story is. These are kids who are also in a motorcycle gang, and then all this weird shit happens. And if you center the weird shit, it, you miss the idea of what it's we, how weird it is for these high school kids to suddenly be dealing with this. It's also complicated, this first scene, because I can recognize, because of pop culture... That I'm watching my heroes be fucking assholes. Yeah. You know, so I have to like, are they going to redeem themselves? Are these the assholes that I have to deal with the entire There's movie? There's a part in this scene where an enemy bike is driven like off the road and it goes just through the window of a big restaurant <laughs> and a yeah. motorcycle is just now tumbling through a restaurant. And that also has the great moment of the waiter seeing what's about to happen. He's like, fuck these, <laughs> fuck these customers. Yeah. I am out of here. And it has the. Which is what you should do if you're a waiter. Yeah. yeah. It has the shot. Of the movie, the shot that will exist forever, which is the this bike, bike slide. like the power yes. slide as he turns around to go face. Oh, it's so fucking cool. Clown of the clowns. This is probably going to come as no surprise, but your next three nominees are from Die Hard. No oh, way, what? Jose. So here we go. The, the next one is John and Holly versus Hans. At the end, uh, Holly's kidnapped, and they are working together like the married couple they should be. They yeah. should not be separated. They should be together forever. Versus Hans Gruber, a international terrorist, and this married couple beats him. Good violence has a reason that connects us emotionally to it. Otherwise, we don't care about yes. it going on. This movie really is about John McClane losing his wife. They're not divorced. They're still married, but they're obviously like headed towards... They're separated, and they're heading towards divorce. At this point, he has met Harry Ellis, who uh, he, you know he doesn't like, and then he's also found a picture of his family face down yeah. in her office. 
And so for them to come together to defeat the terrorists as a unit, it's not just violence in a way. It's isn't it sex, sex as well? Yes. This and is... I love having sex in my violence. See, I think I'm, I'm about to give you guys two more diehard scenes, but because this comes at the end with all of that buildup and emotional stuff, how does this not win? Your next nominee is John's Hose Bungie from Die Hard. This is this, this is, is another the most iconic shot of the yes, movie. Yes. This, yeah, this is an extremely iconic shot. Like this is the motorcycle fight from Akira of Die Hard, and I think it's great. I don't know if it has what it takes to beat John and his wife versus Hans, but it is it is dope, and it's also more actiony than violence. I think the problem with this scene is that it's really just the one shot. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in the finale of Die Hard, we have the them working together, them looking, the tape gun, the watch, the letting go. There's so many aspects. Yeah. But this is really just that one jump that like Yeah. And this is the jump that would essentially create the action set pieces for every action movie for the next 20 years. This is the one where John McClane learns, "Oh fuck, I'm going to have to do this every 3 years for the next 12 years." <laughs> yeah. This is my life now. It, it, and it has very much that vibe that runs through Die Hard, which is just like making do yes. with what you have. Right. It's that Tony Hawk thing of, I'll skateboard off anything. I yeah. don't give a shit. Your next nominee is John of the Vents. Guys, John at some point was hey. in the Vents. Hey, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on in those Vents. Hey, I'm in these Vents. I'm going to let all the listeners listen to this Robert De Niro in the Vents off <laughs> that these two are going to do. You talking to Vents? Yeah. You talking events? Hey, you, I don't see any other events here. You must yeah. be talking events. Can you milk my events, Greg? <laughs> hey, Greg, I got vents. Could you milk my events? Because it, it's not just the, uh, oh my God, I'm in Southern California. I should go to Disneyland. What am I doing? It's uh, not just that iconic line, but also the machine gun. Using the machine gun uh, as like his yes. whole mountain climbing system. One day a great vent is going to come and wash away all the scum off these streets. And you'll, I will say, you're in prison with me. Uh, and then your final nominee is Roger Rabbit versus an entire kitchen. And who framed Roger Rabbit? This is the violence of the year. This is, it definitely has the most violence yeah. out of any of these. Isn't on that our list? what we're rewarding? Most. Well, no, we are, we are rewarding the best. No, violence. most. It should be most. Most and violence. And this is definitely, by quantity, most violence. How do we feel about the quality of this violence? I think it's great. I think that it's it's clear that the people who directed this short that opened up this movie uh, knew all about what came before them. But also, it, it reminded me a lot of a well-done, itchy and scratchy cartoon. And that, yes. like, we're doing it and parodying it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is this is a very common, like, cartoon plot line. But also... Like, this is horrifically violent. And the idea that he nailed all of it, uh, but yes. then when he saw stars instead of seeing birds... That's how he fucked up. It really helps set the tone for, it doesn't matter how much pain these things experience, if they make even one slight mistake. And the fact that he nailed all of it, it like it makes us forget about the fact that he's animated and he'll do whatever the drawers draw and make him feel more like a Charlie Chaplin in that, like, I can't believe he's doing all these things, even though he's clearly a cartoon. Guys, I know that Akira beat Roger Rabbit, but this should be the one that Roger Rabbit takes down. We didn't, I, obviously, what did not make the cut is the shoe being dipped into the yeah. dip. Which is, that? that's like more... Best horror That's scene. Straight torture. Yeah. Best straight torture scene. Best Eli Roth animation. <laughs> so we have opening bike scene from Akira, John and Holly versus Hans, John's hose bungee, John of the Vents, and Roger versus an entire kitchen. Brian, as you see, I have this envelope. I see here. I, I see it, I hear yeah. it, I smell and I'm it. Just, I'm just opening it. 
just normal. Just just a real... The way you do with envelopes. Okay, I can't believe way. how normally you're opening yeah, that envelope. Yeah, I know. It almost goes without saying. You're just like a normal guy just who got a letter. Just getting mail just as, uh, in the adult world as you do. And the winner is Akira, the Come opening on. bike Come scene. Come on. Of course it is. Taking it from three different Die Hard scenes. It split the vote. Well, Die Hard Die split Hard. the vote, but it should have been Roger Die Rabbit. Hard just being the movie that absolutely suplexed Akira. It sure did. When we come back, we are doing round two, a battle two. In our next matchup, we have my neighbor, Totoro. Who I have not met. Who you have not met. He's a good guy, dude. You know what? He knows how to hang. Bring over a six-pack of beers. Versus Big, a movie about a kid becoming an adult who then does not immediately buy beers. This Which I have to say, that's one thing Shazam did better than Big. I know Shazam is like the modern day Big. Yeah. They go and get beer almost immediately. They just don't enjoy it. The three of us have had battles in this episode and the last episode um, that were close. But I knew who I was voting for in each battle. This one, oh my goodness. I really... like. Are you guys close at all or do you guys know what you're doing? I... Th- this one is very difficult for me. I, I am not sure. It's going to come down to which one I think I enjoyed more and which one I think deserves to go on. We have been talking nonstop this episode and last about how My Neighbor Totoro is a poem that we want to revisit and get yes. more of, right? Uh-huh. Like, that's the thing that this movie does is, like, we didn't understand it. We were super bored the entire time, yeah. but we want to go back and uh, revisit it. And then Big does all this stuff that we are surprised. We know that it should do, and then it does, and that's shocking. Yes. And Big, I don't think, is as shallow as some of the other movies that I think we've, I, I, I at least have said, I get what this is. Like, I think there is more to dig into with Big, and it is doing some subtle things. But you're right. Totoro is, I think, the more subtle and more, like, capital A artistic of the films. But when talking about movie of the year 1988, it is hard to surmount Big, which we have addressed has a scene that is essentially movies, the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big is, I want to say, like almost the perfect movie. And part of that is it doesn't always make total sense if you think about any part of it too yeah. long. I think even though both movies have like incredible elements of the fantastical, right? In one, there's like woodland spirits, and I love both movies. Yeah, like drops a fairy tale without being yeah. a full on, full blown fairy tale. In the second, a boy has his wish granted and becomes an adult sized person. But in a way, Big is way less realistic of the two because it doesn't take from that premise and dr- and always draw conclusions about how people would react to what has happened. It doesn't, but you got to admit that Big does say, even though it doesn't like hit all those uh, buttons, it does say, like, this is the premise and we're going to do it. Whereas yeah. Totoro, like, again, that corn on the windowsill, Totoro doesn't really commit to whether or not, like, how fantasy it is. Yeah. And that bugged me in the episode, and you guys shot me down. And I get why. Like, no, no, no. Don't pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the overall thing. But these are two movies who have like highly complicated premises, and I think that one might do it better, even though neither one does it. Gr- no, they do it great in that they don't do it great. You know, like they pay attention to what matters. Are they 
they're both movies about childhood. Right. Obviously. What is the better movie for depicting childhood? Well, I mean, I think that Totoro has the more obvious, like, that's the most, uh, like, it represents childhood better. Like, that is how childhood works. It feels like childhood. Yeah. I think Totoro is more of a movie about childhood, and I think Big is a movie about growing up. And I think that though that's the main difference between how it handles childhood. Because whereas Totoro is a lot about this is what this small girl like behaves like. Whereas Big is this is what this small child would behave like if he were in the body of an adult and ways in which adults are also basically just children who are figuring out how to how to survive. Yeah, every day is figuring out how to be an adult. Yeah, because by, by the end, out of like two months, this child has figured out how to be, like, an adult in the business world. I've been thinking about that a lot recently. The How much of Big really is, he is a 13-year-old kid in the body of a 30-year-old man, but he really does become 30 years old spiritually. He's like, I got a lot of work to do, okay? Leave me alone. But, yeah, I think that ultimately means that the message of Big is, like, don't grow up too fast. Like, appreciate yeah. where you're at, because if you don't, you, the things that you wish for, like, if you wish that you were older, it's actually not that great. Whereas Totoro... I don't know what the message is as much. Like, appreciate childhood, but it's a movie that you can only appreciate. Like, you can only reminisce on. You know, like, you can all, yeah. you can only say, like, I remember how great that was, but I don't want to be back there. Whereas Big sort of speaks to all audiences. I feel like the message of Satoru is that the wonderment of childhood really can insulate you from the traumas of life. Yeah. That, like, it really, it does work. Like, and when I think of that, it makes me immediately think of the movie Pan's Labyrinth, uh-huh. which which argues extremely vigorously the opposite, which is that the wonderment of childhood will not in any meaningfully way, in meaningful way save you. Yeah. Okay, so the comparison, I guess, is that Totoro says, like, enjoy being in the bubble. And Big's like, don't pop that bubble because yeah. it's fucking shitty outside of the bubble yeah. of childhood. And that, but I, I do think that doesn't sound hopeful. To me, Big is a little bit more hopeful because it says you can take elements of your childhood with you. I think I think Big says that you can achieve a synthesis between adult life and and childhood right. wonder. And I think the Totoro thing is working towards you can achieve a synthesis between Mei and Satsuki. Yeah, and that is ultimately less interesting to me. It does that, feel like they are there's going... a there's a there's a middle ground between five and eight. Yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, but I think that that is I think that's a very similar like conversation just at a different stage where it's like children are not all the same. Yes, I lo- and, I've never no no movie's ever asked that question before. Is right. there a difference between 5 and 8? And Totoro says, "Yes, 100%." Yeah. And I think it is the difference between like the barest amount of acknowledgement of like things might be wrong whereas like May in Totoro does not really comprehend that like there could be danger yeah and satsuki everything will is, be fine yeah and satsuki is things could go wrong because satsuki's at the age and of the personality where she's like uh things could be wrong because you could step on like a thorn in the forest or you could fail a math test like she has all of that and also I, one of your parents might die yeah. at this point we have to vote in a second here can i just as, as a way of closing this point out one final time that in the movie there was only going to be one little girl until like very late in the production of the movie because most of what we talk about when we talk about this movie is the relationship between these two little girls and it almost wasn't a part of it. Best last second decision in movie history. They drew the poster for the movie 
when they still thought there was going to be one little girl instead of two. And it's like the most magical part of this magical movie is their relationship. It's just so wild. They almost weren't in there. Taylor, what is it going to be? What's moving on? I love both of these movies a lot. I think if we're choosing movie of the year, 1988, it is big. Ryan? It's my neighbor Totoro. What? Are you fucking kidding me? What in the world is is happening? happening? What's happening? My brain is melting. Wow. That I felt like that abdicated me of all responsibility. And now now I have to actually decide which is these two movies. You know what? I I yearn for the movie to be something that is deeper. And that you can just, every time you watch it, you feel like you find something new. That is the spirit of movie of the year. And because of that, the there's no way Big can compete with My Are Neighbor Totoro. Are you fucking kidding me? My Neighbor Totoro, moving on to the can finals. We, before we move on, can we just imagine Die Hard with, instead of Alan Rickman, it is Totoro. Uh-huh. Just with all of Hans Gruber's uh-huh. <laughs> Wow, Taylor looks like he is absolutely shook. Yeah, no, it turns out that Akira sucks and Totoro is great. I fucking I I wait, what? I I do think that I do think that it is it is fitting that Akira has been moved out and Totoro has been moved in as a piece of art. This is the superior. All right, but what we have to do is we have to stop talking about this now and move on to what is it? Just the final no, we have best actor, best actress, yes, and okay. then the final. So next, best actress, and then best actor. Gentlemen, let's start with the women. Who was the best actress of 1988? And I do have you guys don't know this yet, but uh, the board had to make some concessions. Ooh, listening to the My Neighbor Totoro episode, I watched a I watched the Japanese version. You guys both watched English dubs. Yes. Uh-huh. And listening to the episode, we found out that you guys watched different English dubs. Yeah, and I watched the bad one. Yeah. yeah. I, wa- I watched the one with uh, the Fanning sisters. Yeah. And so May and Satsuki cannot be nominated for Best Actress because we listened to three different actresses. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And so we have five different actresses for Best Actress. Here are your nominees. Gina Davis from Beetlejuice. She is, I think, other than possibly Lydia, she is the standout star of Beetlejuice. I think that Gina, and it's such a bummer that she's gone from our life, but she is such a charming, awesome star. You know, like, she has star power that really, League of Their Own, and like, I, yeah, I miss Cutthroat her. Island. Cutthroat Island. Cutthroat <laughs> Island. Uh, Last Kiss Goodnight. <laughs> she was in all, in all the She great. became an action star for a little bit. Her character is a little bit flat in this movie, but that just makes what she does more impressive. Yeah. What she does over Ali Baldwin is uh, she wants a baby. Yes. And she sees Winona Ryder as her baby. Yeah. And that's where she gets like stuff to do. Yeah. And, and I think that chemistry really helps her to bring out like what Greg is Do you right. mean the scene where she teaches Winona Ryder chemistry and they're pouring beakers into yeah. beakers? But I think Greg is right. Like the what the script has given Gina Davis to do here. Is not a whole lot. And, often, but, like in the script, often she's just like confused about what's going on. There's a book and she can't read it. Yeah. And so Alec Baldwin's like, well, I read the book. And she's like, ah, oh, I just couldn't even get through that. I'm just so simple. But but Gina Davis makes a meal out of that part. And he and starts really... hitting himself in the head with the book. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, I feel like all of these nominees are going to prove that Idiot was not a strong year for actresses. The next one is Elizabeth Perkins from Big, who did a great job. But that's a supporting role. She's yeah. nominated yeah. for Best Actress. 
I mean, listen, she looks just like Millie Bobby Brown. Right. She she knows how to get a boot pushed. She, for whatever reason, had to do something different in almost every single scene. Yeah. And because of that, her character didn't always feel like it had consistency. But, like, do you guys feel like you act the same from scene to scene? Or do you feel like you're different people from time to time? Well, whenever I move to a new scene, yeah, uh, uh-huh. I, I generally, I feel like I, I maintain... A slightly different energy, but the same core character. Uh-huh, the same principles. Yeah. The same big three. Again, I said this a lot on the big episode, but like her at the carnival, that was that was acting. That was like, the that, best that moment was of that movie. Performance. Her performance is in that scene is the best the best moments of the movie. I but I think for every moment of her at the carnival, there is also an equal and opposite moment. Uh, well, yeah, I think there is a her at the dinner party where she's trying to have sex with someone who's obviously mentally challenged. <laughs> yeah, and that part doesn't <laughs> quite play, but I think that is again she was given garbage to work uh, with. Also, I think that part if she had just said, "I'm just trying to get one in." Yeah, I think we would have been like, "I get it." Okay. Yeah. Okay. Your next nominee is Priscilla Presley from The Naked Gun. I mean, she's gonna win, right? Yeah, like she's doing. She was married to Elvis. What? <laughs> Presley, not Casella. I feel, oh, like, okay. I feel like I would have heard of this. She, she definitely commits to the role. Um, she doesn't have to just be funny in what is like I think classically a like what the classically the role they've given to female comedians. She falls all over the place. She yeah. seems like a, a, a doofus and. Not in just like the classic, like I'm a dumb blonde way, but just in like falling over and, and slapstick. Uh, is she was she ever in anything other no. than this? Like she spent 30 years not acting because she was married to Elvis, and then was in The Naked Gun. Yeah, like it. It really, I appreciate that she did. She had as much like slapstick ability as Leslie Nielsen in this movie. And the reason I like this nominee is because you can hear the makers of the movie saying like, oh man, wouldn't it be funny if we cast Priscilla Presley? Wouldn't that be hilarious? But then she actually did a good job. Yeah. Like, it, she was actually great. It's like when you see Amy Adams, who you historically think of now as a prestige actress, and she's in like Talladega Nights and yeah. fucking crushes it. Yeah. Like it's, it's something, someone that you don't expect to be very, very funny. And then just crushes every scene that she's in. Talladega Nights, they were uh, riding cars. What if you were a writer of Winona? That's the next nominee. Winona Ryder from Beetlejuice. I've mentioned her already. I think she is the best actress in Beetlejuice. I feel like this is another one of those, like, oh, yeah, I know Winona Ryder. So I, I, I guess she did the best job. But there's not a lot for her there's to do. There's not a lot for her to do, yeah. yeah. We talked about in our Beetlejuice episode how it goes from uh, the Maitland story to Winona Ryder's story. So she really only has half a movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she does She does okay. I think, I think she does enough that I care. I, I think it really is the, the chemistry between her and Gina Davis is really the only relationship That's the one. That the I mom care and daughter about. thing is strong yeah. in this movie. This is where it's kind of fucked that Heathers didn't make it. Yeah, she was also in Heather's and did a way better job, like was a way more interesting person, had a way better performance. I think really showcased her abilities yeah. a lot better. Guys, watch Heather's. It's a very good movie. <laughs> the TV show, right? The Paramount TV show. That's, That's what you're talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. Go the watch Paramount Network. Uh, actually, go watch the movie Heather's and then go watch the TV show Heather's and think, what the fuck happened in that time period? What changed? Call your cable provider. And yeah. then finally, it's Kathleen Turner from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And now this is... Just the voice of a cartoon. But Moody has a history of this. 
we gave an award to Joan Cusack for Toy Story 2 oh, yeah. for Best Supporting Actress. So could she win I, being Jessica Rabbit? Now, technically, um, the the voice of Jessica Rabbit is an uncredited position, so we'll never really know who who did this. That That is true. A lot of people speculate that it's Kathleen Turner. But yes, it's not credited. If you look in the credits, she's not there. Uh, but I do think that this is, we talked about it on the Roger Rabbit episode, her voice performance is incredible. Like, it is... Like for knowingly you, sexy, yeah, that's what knowing, I like. Knowingly sexy, and to the point that like any noir, even remotely based, like character in this vein is trying to do this Jessica yes. Rabbit. Voice. She has seen uh, Jessica Rabbit has seen dozens of damsels in distress and like noir movies, and like sort of wants to play that up, but also knows like how stupid they all are. Yes, and she is. She cr- fucking crushes it, and when she just says stuff like. I'm not bad. I'm just drunk. Whoa, Taylor. Full on erection right now. Come on, buddy. That that was insane. Trying to make a fucking show here. Don't do that. What are we doing right now? That's ridiculous. Okay, just read who won. (laughs) All right. So your nominees are Gina Davis from Beetlejuice, Elizabeth Perkins, Priscilla Presley, Winona Ryder, and Kathleen Turner. And your winner is. Just going to open this envelope. No, but like open it like a real person. I'm I'm very truly struggling. Use your hands. I am actually. actually You don't need to use your feet. Okay. It's like a monkey. Gentlemen, and your winner is from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's Kathleen Turner. That feels pretty good. Yes, I feel I feel positively about that. That doesn't seem like a strike against the actresses of nineteen eighty eight. No, it does. The hearing the finalists, it it, it, yeah. it wasn't a strike against the actresses of eighty eight. It was something we didn't talk a ton about, I feel like, in the season. I feel like we gave eighty eight credit for its like inclusiveness, but listening to that lineup there were not good hmm. lead female parts. In we were all trying to be like, yeah. they did a good job. I, I feel like the showcases for like best actress category didn't make the top of the list. Like I think there were performances that were in movies that otherwise let them down. Yeah, so I feel like there might be a reason that we saved best actor for last because best actress just didn't bring the nominees. Yeah. Well, Ryan, that sounds like a wonderful segue. Thanks, bud. Why don't we take a quick break and then talk about the best actors? Actor, gentlemen, the males. This is when an actress is a man. Right. Yeah. They don't have the vagina anymore. It's just the penis. <laughs> okay. oh, so, so in your world, the actress has both a vagina and a penis? <laughs> and this was a weird year because this, <laughs> this is the first time that we've ever had six nominees instead Whoa. of the five. What? Yes, we had six nominees. Is there precedent for this or is this unprecedented? This is unprecedented. Uh-huh. Wow. I'm doing the rest of the show under protest. <laughs> Your nominees are Tom Cruise for Rain Man. Okay, I fucking hated this character, <laughs> but I was supposed to hate the character, right? Right. Wasn't he doing his job? And also, you have only known Maverick at this point. Yeah. So, like, oh, maybe he can act. It. I feel like he got the whole point of the movie across, which is that he is much more socially inept than, than his brother, who... It just has this condition. Maybe I have autism. Yeah, something like that. But I have to say, I don't have the fondest memories of the character. Even though the character is supposed to be so terrible, it reminds me so much of Magnolia from 99. You knew that guy was supposed to be awful, and part of you felt bad for him. But he is so awful that I feel like I fucking hate him, and I don't want him to win. Your next nominee is Tom Hanks from Big. He 
absolutely did become a 13-year-old boy. Yes. If uh, I don't think I've ever seen an adult man so it, like intensely get inside of a, a teenage boy. Uh-huh. Did we talk about the fact that You're they- not good at talking <laughs> about this movie, Taylor. No, I'm not. The fact that they filmed all of the scenes with the 13-year-old yeah. Josh, and then he just sort of like did that same thing. And yeah, now he's going to be in a movie where he's Mr. Rogers, a person that's way older than him. Uh-huh. And trying to like become that person. What if we gave Tom Hanks an award? What if we just did it? What if we just to fuck around? We just did it. We didn't even read the rest what, of the nominees. What if we? What if we just did it in more legends? And we're just legend. I could. F- I feel like there could be ample opportunity to be hammy and to overdo this. Do you guys feel like he he did it a little bit too much? Like no, I feel like that. Like he always had in the back of his head, "Don't do this too much." Yeah, yeah. And I feel like he nailed just enough the amount of I'm a kid and I'm playing and also when it was time for I'm a kid and I'm very, very scared. Yeah. We talked about this movie in the show and we said that it's it's big set pieces are bigger than the movie itself. But really bigger his, than before. <laughs> bigger than before. But his performance is really when you watch it, the thing that stands out more than anything else, right? It is the movie, yeah. Yeah, it sure. is the entire movie. So probably nobody des- deserves it more than Mr. Hanks. Your next nominee is Bob Hoskins from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I understand. Eddie Valiant. Like, close to the vest, close to the chest. Uh, he's a serious... Close to, you know what I always say? Close to the vest, close to the chest. But he does that thing at the end where he enter- he out-tunes tunes. Did this you think that Bob Hoskins was capable of that? I did not. And I think the movie could have done a little bit more yeah. to establish for the audience... That this that he's gonna do something like this because we, it wasn't until I watched the sh- the movie this time that I realized that there are clues that he used to be yeah. a clown. We, yeah, we talked about the fact that they took a police picture and him and his brother, I'm so sorry, had clown noses on their nose. They yes. were called the clown princes of the police force, which is crazy because I, as far as I'm concerned, there's only a clown prince of crime. <laughs> Bob Hoskins had to do something that it will now forever be a part of acting, but I don't think was done much at, at this point, which is you have to play off like a ball on a stick right. for yeah. most of what you're doing, and then they put in the character on top of that. Now, that's just being an actor. You are never in the same room as your co-stars. Yeah. But Scarlett Johansson hasn't talked to a person no, for like eight no. years. They don't let her out of that little box she's in. It's painted totally green and so they can have her anywhere they want her. The recent Lindsay Lohan werewolf movie, she didn't leave her fucking house. <laughs> because she was not legally allowed to. Yeah. They had to work in the fact that she was wearing that anklet. So the next one, Michael Keaton, Beetlejuice. Does we've talked a lot of shit on Beetlejuice for the last two episodes, but yes. like, is this worthy of a Best Actor nominee? I think it's, it is. Yes, it is a a, a crazy unhinged. Is it a tour de force? Uh, yes, it, it it is an unhinged performance that without this performance, no one would give a single flying it isn't fuck a about movie. this movie. No, it's like it's not like without his performance, people would be like. Beetlejuice, what is that? Like fucking Midnight Run? That's not a real movie. Come to, on now. To even call the movie Beetlejuice and then to only have him be in it for like 30 minutes, yeah. he has to dominate everything when he is part of it. And he really, he does. I have problems with this movie. It's not with his performance. I think he did exactly what he was supposed to. He was supposed to be like... And then the, some. Yeah, and so he did a great job. The weird thing about the movie is just that he's only in it for a very short time. Yeah. All right, so this is a tough category. We have Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Bob Hoskins, Michael Keaton, Leslie Nielsen from The Naked Gun. Oof. This is see this is when this is what's tough about The Naked Gun. 
is he's doing exactly what he's supposed to that he it plays the role exactly the way it was written but no do i give it way less more, credit way more like how could they how could they think that Leslie Nielsen was capable of all of this stuff i think Leslie Nielsen being Leslie Nielsen but he he takes his the like performances from movies he was in as a younger actor and he just doesn't update them. But and then so, adding airplane. What's so genius about it, though, is he doesn't ham them up, really. It's the same performance that he gave in dramas when he was, like, 20 years younger. Yeah, and uh, he's always doing the thing where, like, he is acting after the camera's cut. So, like, when he watches a car, his car crashes into another thing, he's saying, like, oh, I assume the camera's cut. And then is still acting like, oh, uh, bup, and not me. Did know? anybody get the license plate with that? Yeah. <laughs> He honestly, of all the movies we watched for the show this season, his performance was like the thing I was almost most impressed by because he really it would be so easy to sell it short or to do it over the top. Yeah, and he gets like the perfect level. He mama bears it. He mom he mama sharks it. Your final nominee is Bruce Willis from Die Hard. Oh, come out to the coast, win an award. Now Taylor Greg has recently said that The Rock is the worst actor he has ever seen. How dare uh, okay. you? I didn't, How fucking dare you? I said is Bruce Greg? Willis is Bruce Willis and Die Hard. I said that on a rock? break. You can't you can't it was, it was a on break. A break. <laughs> pivot, guys, pivot. Uh listen. Is I, Bruce Willis just the rock? What what do you mean what do you like, mean by Does that? he have such a small range that he can never get an award? No, absolutely not. Because there's he no na- way Bruce Willis is the Rock. No, because the Rock is Dwayne Johnson. He was the, the late eighties, early nineties Rock. The Rock learned how to act by standing inside a very small ring in a very big arena and trying to act to the back row. And you never see him stop trying to act to the back row of a big arena. But in Die Hard, do you feel him? Going through a divorce and a terrorist attack all at the same time. Yes. Yes. Is he that actor? Yes, for sure. I do not think that Bruce Willis could have done any better job of portraying a man who's an everyday big city cop who's going through a divorce and he's in an unfamiliar location and is also in some air vents while his wife is under attack by terrorists who are posing as Germans but they're actually there for financial fraud. (laughs) I don't think that anyone could have ever done a better job of that. And based on the last two episodes, is is he the guy to beat? Is yes, Bruce Willis yes, the guy to be? Yeah, absolutely. for sure. If, if he closes this out, it will close out the uh, best villain, best actor, and uh, best, duo. best duo. I will be shocked if he doesn't win. Your nominees are Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Bob Hoskins, Michael Keaton, Leslie Nielsen, and Bruce Willis. And I have here the envelope. Tearing it open now. Going to be reading to you any second. The winning Taylor, uh, performance. Is Greg good at opening envelopes? And it is Tom Hanks from a little movie called The Big. Well, well, well. The Big. Tom Hanks. Congratulations. This was the only guy who was nominated for the Oscar. I mean, yeah, that that checks out. It seems like we are weak. Does it mean that we're weak? No, no, we're no. weak people. Yeah, I I think that. Well, Greg, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. I think that this is one situation where we say, you know what? We'll give the Oscars one. They got they got they're right twice a day because they're a broken clock. You heard it here first. Oscars, broken clock, Tom Hanks, best actor of his generation. When we come back, we're going to pick the 1988 movie of the year. Is it Akira? Nope, it's not going to be Akira. Is it going to be Rub it in. Just rub it in. Is it going to be Die Hard or My Neighbor Totoro? 
so once again, it cannot be Akira because that movie's already out. Okay, well, you know what? That's, that's I just wanted to make sure there was a lot of talk about it. We are up to the very last matchup. My Neighbor Totoro versus the number one seed. The movie that, frankly, I think some people are like, why even have a bracket for 1988? Why even have a yeah. season of your show about it? It has a big ownership over this year. Die Hard owns this year. It, and it owns a lot of decades. It is. It's enjoyed a little bit of a renaissance of popularity, right? Like, it was big when it first came out. It was yeah. big for maybe 10 years after that. But I feel like now there's been a resurgence because we think of it as sort of like the first of the real big action comedies. Yeah. And I think... And it, now, like, most movies that do well in, blo- in in the box office are action comedies. And I think it had the boost of... Uh, the thing that has become sort of played out at this point with the people who are like, yeah, I watch Die Hard every Christmas because Die Hard's a Christmas movie. And then, like, that became a a thing that people were like, please stop telling me about oh, how yeah, Die Hard's it, a Christmas it, movie. It got its own uh, is a hot dog a sandwich conversation. Yeah. Like, it just now has that whole thing, like, well... I'm getting to know you. Do you think Die Hard's a Christmas movie? Oh. Also, I'll fight you. Yeah. Fight Always you fight right those now. people. And also, a hot dog is a sandwich. No, I, I've learned that it's a taco. Well, that's not... No. Is a taco, a taco is a hot Christmas dog. Movie? It's a taco. I, well, a taco, depending on whether or not it's made on bread, is a sandwich. But Die Hard is a taco. The, I promise this is the last time this season I will ask you this question. I'm going to put in a movie right now, you guys. After we're done with the show, I'm going to pop in a VHS into the VHS machine player. What do you want to see? Do you want to see my neighbor Totoro right now, or do you want to see Die Hard right now? I'm so stoked that Totoro made it this far. I am I think too. it means we're smart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're smart, smart, good we're, people. We're uh, international, right? Uh-huh. Like, we love the cultures of other cultures. We're great podcast boys. But come on now. Yeah. What are we doing I mean, here? listen. And I, also, we hate, like, we're so punk rock that we hate, like, the first seed moving all the way on. Yeah. But this is a first seed that cannot be denied. I, I absolutely love My Neighbor Totoro. It is, uh, has become one of my favorite movies. That said, I said earlier that Die Hard versus Akira was my number one and number two, and I stand by that. I think Die Hard moves on because Die Hard is it, it invented what action movies would become, like through to today. Like it is the movie, but it's not just that. It, like forever throughout the nineties, we had Die Hard on a blank, right? Yes. So it invented all of those, but it also had the what if Jean Claude Van Damme had a personality and he was a normal guy. And that's the thing that was crazy. Yeah. That's the thing that we were like, we wouldn't know how to deal with that. And is there a little, there's a little bit of depth to this movie, right? I felt like when we talked about it on the show, it's, I feel like it's saying something about terrorism. I feel like it's saying something about international banking. Yeah. Also maybe bad. Yeah. And I think it's saying something about accents, usually bad. Like it is because when you, say terrorism now you definitely think like 9-11 but like this was like decades before dealing with like that same issue and tying into like a lot of the exact same things the hard part about watching it is that like i i am also separated right now from uh my wife and talk uh, about mike of course i don't know how to like deal with that but in this movie, they said that they deal with it by like watching your separated husband like uh, kill a bunch of terrorists. Yeah, I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to do, but I feel like that I can figure out my separation much like John McClane did. I will figure it out and I will make things okay. And maybe by saving Mike and like 
carrying him out of like a burning building. I will carry Mike. No You'll matter carry what, Mike. Yes. Okay, so I feel like I can see the way this is going. So let me just ask you: if it's gonna be Die Hard, which it feels like it's gonna be, is it dumb that we did this whole season about it because it was the number one seed? Not at all. We got to watch Akira. Yeah. Yes. We got to watch Totoro, and Totoro made it so close. Yes. Totoro was almost the number one. If Mike was here, it might have been like. Yeah. Uh, Totoro was almost the 88 movie. I I feel like if we said that we were going to vote for Totoro, it would kind of be against our Punk real rock. inclinations. Yeah. Yeah. It, because, it would be yeah, betraying our 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 real thoughts. But then I look at the pantheon of the movies that we've already enshrined as movie of the year. So 99 was Eyes, Eyes Wide, Wide Shut. Shut. Um, Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine was 2004. 2018 was Roma. This is our broadest movie. That's true. Th- yeah. If we voted for it, right? Like Totoro, Actually, Totoro fits more in into that, that picture of yeah. the movies that we've chosen, right? So what you're saying is, by picking Die Hard, we are actually still punk rock, and we're manly men. We have such big biceps. I think what we're doing is we're changing a little bit the character of the show because I think if we pick, if we pick Die Hard. That's what the show is always supposed to be, which is the movie that makes you think of 88 the most and is good. Because there's no way the average person, like, when they reflect on 88, they think of my neighbor Totoro. Yeah. like it. it be- Not in America, anyway. Yeah. Like, Totoro became, like, the symbol of all of Studio Ghibli uh-huh. for, like, a reason. But I don't think that if you were thinking of a specific year in time, you would pick my neighbor Totoro. Because That's true. That and that, like, Die Hard was the number one seed. And I, like, I feel strongly that Die Hard should win. But I cannot tell you guys how close I came to saying, but wouldn't it be better for humanity if we just picked Totoro? Uh-huh. Like, and my, like, yeah. fierce Roger Rabbit argument and, like, how big I think represents everything that we want to be, we were then and want to be in the future. Like, I know the number one seed won, but, man, there are four other movies that, like, are like from the bottom of my heart now because of the season. Yeah. Well, I'm going to call for the vote. I think I know how it's going to go. Taylor, let's start with you. What is 1988's movie of the year according to Taylor? According to Taylor, the movie of the year for 1988 is Die Hard. Gregory, I hate to take this crown off you, uh-huh. but I'm voting Die Hard. All right. Congratulations to 1988 Die Hard because you are now movie of the year enshrined next to such amazing movies as Eyes Wide Shut, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Roma. When we come back, we're going to tie a nice little ribbon on this entire season. We did it, you guys. We watched... Every single movie from 1988, if yeah. I remember correctly. And, and we pared them all down. And we decided that the one that everybody talks about as the best movie from 1988 was indeed. Now we have proven it. It's yeah. Jaws, we did right? It, we did it with science and some screaming. And a little bit of screaming. I have to say, though, we're, we don't just, we're not just trying to be contrarians, right? Like, we didn't, we, yeah. we didn't say, like, well, we don't want to pick the number one seed as the movie of the year. And I feel like a lot of times this season, it felt like this was a, an inevitability. But over the course of the past few weeks, I do feel like this is not just because it was the number one seed, it won. Yeah. Die Hard really is. It's funny. There's action. There's an asshole with a beard. There's a big Japanese building in It won LA. several moodies. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's uh, several times where you hear Bruce Willis go, only in LA. 
Can't believe it. Look at these short shorts. Oh, my God. In New York, we don't have anything like this. <laughs> People just walking around like they're in their underpants. Oh, my God. These were fine, Greg, but can I uh, tell you about some other movies? Sure. <laughs> Why not? Have you ever heard of Titanic? Whoa. Have you ever heard of Face Off? I have. Man, I've heard of all these movies. As good as it gets. Sha- yes. Starship Troopers, Ellie yes. Confidential, Boogie Nights, Jackie I've- Brown, Goodwill Hunting, The Fifth Element. I know what you did last summer. Event Horizon, Gattaca, The Full Monty, Batman and Robin, Con Air, Men in Black, The Game, The, Dra- the Lost World, Jurassic Park. I've heard of Yeah, I heard all those. I think I've seen every single movie you just said, including Event Horizon, which is scary as shit. But yeah, I didn't know I, mean, it. I believe I saw that with you. Yeah. You were so scared. I was so scared, and I'm still fucked up by it. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, Akonda, Alien Revolution, Gross Point Blank, Tomorrow Never Dies, The Ice Storm, Scream 2, The Devil's Advocate, Amistad, Jason Amy, Donnie Brasco. My God. There's so many movies, guys. That's why did you name all those movies? Why are those movies all the movies you're talking about? Oh, those are the movies from 1997. Wait, Ryan, every movie that you just mentioned came out in 1997. Lost Highway, Contact, Air Force One, My Best Friend's Contact. Wedding, Spawn, Dante's Peak, Wag the Dog, The Apostle, Hercules, Anastasia, Cube, Liar, Liar. Yeah, they all came out in 1997. But Ryan, which of those movies that you have just listed was the movie of the year for 1997? Mimic, George of the Jungle, Romy Michelle's High School Reunion, The Postman, The Edge, Conspiracy Theory, Life is Beautiful, The Rainmaker, Volcano. Mouse were, Hunt? <laughs> were any of them the 1997 movie of the year for 1997? Greg, the one thing that all of those movies have in common uh-huh. is that none of them have been named the best movie of 1997. Ryan... What, Greg? What? Uh, what could you possibly say to me? I propose that we set about the task of determining 1997's movie of the year for 1997. Wow. This seems like too much for us. Are you sure that we're capable of I doing am this? ready to tackle this. Having Do we already- have the science and the screaming? I will bring the screaming if you guys bring the science. Oh, I have I'm so out. much science. <laughs> so this is our official announcement that 1997 is the next year we are tackling. How old were you, Taylor, in 1997? Uh, depending on the month of 1997, I, w- I was probably, for most of it, five years old. All right. I think that's how old Ryan and I mm-hmm. yeah, were. Definitely. We were all five. We were fucking Muppet babies, just trying to see, like, what's up, world? I am very excited to determine 1997's movie of the year for 1997. The movie of the year for 1988 is, of course, Die Hard. Congratulations, Die Hard. We will be back with an all-new season before you know it. But until then, unless you're Shady Monk, keep watching them movies.